Hey, Graham. Hi, Crow. Have you ever been to the dark web? Crow, what, what kind of question is that? If I've ever been to the dark web, it's because I wanted to keep things on the on the QT, on the quiet, right? I certainly wouldn't want to share that kind of information with you, would I? Let's be honest. Sheesh. Well, how does someone like me find out about the dark web then? Oh, well, oh, well if you want to know what's going on out there, you need a firm like Recorded Future. They are scouring both the regular web and the dark web using sophisticated technology, finding out all about emerging threats. And you can sign up to their daily newsletter and get the latest insights at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Sounds great. Thanks. Smashing Security, Episode 15, Bad Vibrations, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, episode 15 for the 6th of April 2017. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Carol. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. (laughs) And we're also joined this week by a special guest, John Hawes. Hello, John. Hello. Now, John, uh, for those who don't know, you you used to uh, to be very high up in Virus Bulletin, didn't you? And now I believe you represent the Anti-Malware Testing Standards Organization, AMPSO. That's right. That's right. It's quite a mouthful, Anti-Malware Testing Standards Organization. What on earth does AMPSO do? Well, we basically bring together the the people who test anti-malware products and the people who make anti-malware products and other people that are interested in that kind of thing. And we talk about testing and we try to come up with better, uh, more reliable, more accurate ways of testing things. And we're currently in the process of putting together... The first set of official standards for anti-malware testing. You mean there's no standards yet in antivirus <laughs> right. and anti-malware? As of, as of 2016, there are no standards. It's wow. Tw- it's, tw- it's 2017, John. I know. I was- oh, <laughs> that was my bad. That was my bad. 2017. <laughs> Oh my God! Don't worry. It's only been it's only been four months. Only been four well, months. if uh, John, if you're working there, maybe you can sort this out because we need some standards <laughs> for testing well, anti malware exactly. products. I think after how how long have anti malware products been around? Almost thirty years or so. Isn't oh, it? I expect so. At least, yes. Yeah. There've been plenty of bad reviews during that time, haven't there? Which have been sort of incompetently done, and we people have got poor results and, and not pointed in the right direction as a result. Exactly. That's the problem. Is that if if a test isn't done well. And the results from it are not useful to anybody. You know, they're misleading the consumers right. and they're also misleading the people that are making products. They're not going to be able to fix problems that yeah. they don't have any information about. Of course. Right. Well, what we what we try to do is uh, we look back over the last week in computer security and some of the some of the stories which have tickled us, some of the ones which have caught our interest. We have a little chat about those. Um, so I've got a rather interesting one to begin with. Oh, um, God. Oh, God. I know that voice. What? <laughs> oh, God. Do you? Yeah. Or, or should I say, Dill, do you? Um, because, <laughs> is that oh, how you pronounce oh, it? <laughs> Are you talking about dildos? Wait, you were the first one to mention them. I, I, I wasn't going to discuss teledildonics quite so brazenly. But now, okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, we are talking is it that big? about. <laughs> is that a trunk? Um, because John, 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 Sorry. Carole, please, both of you behave because this Calm is a serious, serious topic. And for some years, some of the world's leading boffins and scientists have been working on the area of teledildonics. And what they are interested <laughs> in doing 
is connected <laughs> sex toys to each other via the internet or to their, I don't know, to participating parties, I imagine. And um, you can probably tell where this is heading because the danger is, of course, that people will be connecting sex toys to the internet which are vulnerable and have uh, flaws and exploits which hackers could exploit. And there is uh, a group of uh, penetration testers called Pentest Partners, a guy called Ken Munro. You see, you everything <laughs> sounds like a euphemism now. Oh, what, Pentest? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well... They have looked at a device from, can you believe it, Scandinavia? Um, it must be those cold winters. A device <laughs> called the CI, I think it's from Finland, the Siime Eye, S I I M E I, as in eye in your head. Are you sure it's not see me? Oh. See me. It does look a lot like slime. It does look like slime, doesn't it, in some fonts? I I think you're right, John. It's probably the see me. So see, rather like the Nintendo Wii, and then me, I. So see me, I. The name makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? And it it does, from from what I was saying. (laughs) And it comes from a company called Svacom. And uh, Svacom are selling a... This device is a $250... um, How can I put this discreetly? Yes, quite, exactly. That brings tears to your eyes, doesn't it? $250 vibrator um, that, for some reason or another, comes with a camera. (laughs) That's just weird. Like, camera on the vibrator or, like, connected to? Oh, Carole, how innocent you are. (laughs) The camera is on, let's put it as the business end of the vibrator. No way! Yeah. Does it have a torch? Does it have some kind of lighting? (laughs) You know, I was wondering the same. I I was thinking... You want to check for teeth or something, right, it is it infrared or something? You know, I mean, it it does seem... I mean, what would you be able to... I have no idea. You wouldn't be able to see anything, would you? I don't think so. If you were able to see something, that would suggest some kind of medical emergency, I would imagine. If there was light in there, I don't know. Luminous interior. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't just stop there, because it doesn't just have a camera. And by the way, this is a video camera. It's not just for taking snaps. Um, it's also a Wi-Fi access point. It sounds like a medical device right now to me. I it, sounds, it sounds like an endoscopy. Or, is yeah. that what they, endoscope, is that yeah. right? Which you use to investigate places. Well, they definitely have a light on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> John, I'm so glad you're here. You've clearly got expertise in this. Now, <laughs> now these devices, these devices come with a, a standard access point SSID, which is CMEI, and they have a default password, of course, all the eights, just type in lots of eights, um, and you can access it via the associated <gasps> Android no. or iOS app. Yeah. And um, uh, and once you've done that, you can view the live stream. Um, I don't know if you can actually. Um, send it straight to Facebook or whatever. I know it sounds quite tantalising, doesn't it? But you have to ask yourself, you know, why would, why, would you, why would you want one of these? And what's more, as well as the camera itself, as well as it being a Wi-Fi access point, why would you also want that vibrator to contain hidden functionality to connect itself to Skype? Oh, my gosh. Or to automatically well, you know what? save okay, no, no, the no. video. I know, okay, I, I have definitely heard of people who, you know, are couples or whatever. They live far away from each other and they want to get their rocks off while they're in different places. So I just don't understand. I still don't understand why there's a camera at the end of the device. <laughs> and maybe I don't understand this properly. 
that that just sounds like a medical yeah you might want to get your rocks off but i mean there are rocks and there are rocks aren't there i mean it's what do you it, think phone sex is safer what are you advising what are you advising for people our cruel. Listeners? i don't i don't know i don't know what what your partner's like right but i i would they be able to tell the difference really between the Oh, no, I don't. What, why are we even discussing this? Anyway, look, the point is that the Internet of Things has had yet another <laughs> massive fail where people are putting devices on the Internet which are insecure, which can be remotely hacked. In the, in fact, Pentest partners who looked at this particular device, by the way, they must have the most fun job in the world. They're looking up the perviest gear, which is Internet enabled and working out how they can. Fun job? That's like it. the worst job. <laughs> can you imagine? They. They are loving it. Believe me, they are loving it. Because oh. they, they were even working out that because the uh, access point name is static, you know, basically, every, if you look on your phone and you see see me I in your vicinity, you know somebody is up to, mm. right? You know that that's going on. And if you, via a war driving site, you may even be able to work out where they actually are and technically geolocate other users of this device. But, you know, what's happening is this. Plenty of devices are being made. They're internet-enabled. The security is a joke. And privacy is being put at risk. People can spy upon you. Now, whether this is something which would alarm you if you're using such a device or not, I don't know. But frankly, what is happening to the world and can I get off? It's horrendous. And when, when, do, do we need some kind of legislation? Graham. Do we need a testing standards organisation to test <laughs> internet? John, forget anti-malware. Maybe you should be looking at IoT and well, particular devices. I don't know. I think we might get there fairly soon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something that needs doing, isn't it? Yeah. Come again, John. Okay. Um, God, so, innuendo central. <laughs> maybe we should move on. But anyway, I think to the to the listeners of Smashing Security, we would say, beware, beware. Keep, yeah, keep your legs crossed. Yeah. <laughs> John, what have you seen this week? Well, I so I'm kind of very much in the same same region in <laughs> the internet, internet of things. Maybe <laughs> a slightly, uh, slightly cleaner spin on it. Um, you mentioned actually in your, in your bit there, um, you said you can connect using your iOS or Android app. Everybody knows mm. that. Those are the two options, really, when it comes to, to smartphones, at least. You're either, either Apple or you're Google. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the operating system that they're running on, but in terms of the hardware, for most people, it's either Apple or it's Samsung. Yeah, right. And there's a bit of a yes. disconnect there. Samsung, yes. they want to be like Apple. They want to be the, the world straddling giant. Yeah. But they're reliant on Google for their operating system. And that must gall them a lot, mustn't it? I'm sure it does. And for quite a long time... They've been working on uh, an alternative operating system called Tizen, mm-hmm. um, which not a not a huge number of people know about, but it's been it's been in development for five or six years at least, and it's kind of evolved from some previous projects. It's it's kind of like Android; it's based on Linux, and it's um, part of this this big long project that's part of the Linux Foundation, but it's backed by various companies that are involved in so it's a big deal the mobile phone world but especially samsung it's a huge deal for yeah. samsung because i think they've they've they're basically betting on it being their future and right re- replacing their reliance on android so i'm guessing it's really really good well that's the thing so, <laughs> <laughs> oh no i didn't mean to lead you in there <laughs> there's an, uh, an israeli this is why it was in the news this week was that an israeli researcher called ami high niederman mm. 
he had a look at it and uh, he found it was pretty terrible. He called it a hacker's dream. He said it was maybe the worst code I've ever seen. Wow. He found 40 separate zero-day vulnerabilities. A lot of them were buffer overflows. Uh, one of them was in the, the Tizen Store app, which is their, their app store, which basically gives you complete control over the entire device and also found various incidents of sloppy encryption implementation so some of the data that was being sent from devices was not encrypted properly and some of it was some of it wasn't it was just a bit of a mess really what you're suggesting john is actually they could probably replace android with this and hardly anybody would notice well (laughs) yes it's, it's that's Maybe true, but um, I think the the part of the issue here is that so the the idea of this is not just that it's just going to be a a, a, a smartphone device. Mm. Right, it's intended for all kinds of different devices. So they say <laughs> oh. on the, the project website is for wearables and consumer electronics, cars, appliances. Hey, maybe dildos will get it as well. Oh, please. potentially, yeah. So it's it's already in use in so Samsung's uses it in the most of their gear watches. Um, their TVs, apparently there's 30 million TVs are running it. <laughs> um, it's, it's got some Jeez. use on phones. So there's mainly in, in India and Asia, Africa countries. There's a few kind of budget smartphones that are running it. Right. But we can expect to see it on a lot more. And yeah, it's so basically not very good. Lots of consumers are already using Tizen and are probably completely unaware that they use yeah. the operating system, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's that's a big part of the problem, I think, that a lot of these these things that are connected to, to the Internet of Things, they don't really say how they've gone about doing it. And right. I think there's, obviously there's a lot of... a lot. I mean, it, it's, it's a, to me, it seems like a good idea to yeah. have a, a dedicated operating system like this that all lots of different people can use because, you know, it's good to have a bit of convergence, but you need a bit of diversity too. I think at the moment, the, the situation is that Somebody who makes dishwashers or microwaves suddenly decides, oh, we need to be part of the Internet of Things, so we'll just slap some stuff in there and make it online. And that's not really their area of expertise, so it would be good to have somebody that was making something that these people could use. Absolutely. I mean, that would be terrific, wouldn't it? Because lots of people are trying to write their own with no experience of security whatsoever. So if they they get something off the shelf from, for instance, Samsung then that sounds sensible. But, of course, if you converge to all use the same code, it better be bloody good code, which is secure. Yes. Yeah. And this isn't. And it's shocking, though, because if they've been building this, if they've been building it during the era that cybersecurity has been a pretty big deal when it comes to, you know, (laughs) online stuff. So how they've missed, you know. Yeah. Well, that's that's another part of it, actually, that I think a lot of people, when this this story came out, that he'd found this huge long list of, of issues... I think people were assuming that a lot of it was the older stuff that had been inherited from these earlier projects. Yeah. Right. But apparently most of it is in stuff that's been written in the last two years. Jeez, by, that's by so embarrassing. Probably people at Samsung. So one so, last question. Is, is, is it all Samsung-branded equipment, or are they kind of selling the code? Are they selling the operating system? Well, it's, it's, Samsung is kind of the main driver behind the project, but there's lots of other companies that are involved in it. So presumably they're using it too. Yeah. But again, as, as Greg was saying, there's very little information on, you know, when you go and buy a device, it doesn't say on it, this runs Tizen or this runs, you know, embedded Android or whatever. And maybe it would be nice if devices did have... Do you remember you used to get those... I mean, you still do, where you get those stickers which said Intel inside. It's yeah. like, woohoo! You know, yes. but 
Um, there's also make, things called readmes, though, that you might be able to get a bit more information. Yes, <laughs> but, I mean, that, but that's after you've bought it, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah, it might true. be nice that's when true. it's on the shelf to say, oh, that's an Android, that's Tizen, that's iOS. Yeah. So um, I guess that's the advice to our handy. listeners is you could ask if it's Tizen. You can ask if it's running Tizen. Not that you'd necessarily trust the sales guy. but Oh, um, yeah, oh t- t- he's going to think you're you, talking about Tizer or something, isn't he? He's going to know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, because they're all idiots, right, Graham? No, they're not that they're all idiots. I'm not saying they're all idiots. All Good. I'm saying is that, I, I mean, I'd, I'd never heard about Tizen until a couple of weeks Actually, ago, you know. Had yeah. you? No, I hadn't heard about it till two days ago. So right. I'm. Uh, well, I'd, I'd heard about it. A few years ago, but very much in the same kind of context, in the kind of, oh, there's some big big security holes here that they need to fix right. before they start using it. But obviously, that's not really been picked up yet. Hmm. Hmm. Cool story, though. Well, well done to that researcher for uh, revealing these problems. I hope Samsung will fix these problems quickly. And I hope that they'll get some decent penetration testing done and vulnerability researchers looking at the code to make sure that it's, mm-hmm. if, if they're really going to push forward with it, that they make it much more secure in the future. Do you, do you know that if he, does he um, put any limits on, like, has he disclosed the how he's done it? Or has he kind of put a deadline as to how long Samsung has to fix these before he releases them? I seem to, I, I read somewhere that he had, he had tried to get in touch with Samsung and they'd pretty much blanked him. And so he, <gasps> That's but, the um, worst. But then eventually kind of when they, they realized that he was going public with all this stuff, they turned around and did the standard, you know, we, we treat security very seriously kind of thing. You know, I would suggest to researchers, if you're not getting any joy from the security department, and I think most security departments and most companies are pretty good at responding to these things. But if you're, if you're not getting any success, contact their public relations department, contact their PR team and say, hello, I'm going yep. to be writing about this soon. And I'm going to be telling security bloggers about this soon. So could you perhaps maybe ask your security team to get back to me? Yeah. And maybe just apl- apply a little bit of pressure like that. And mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice if um, websites and companies actually had a place on their website where we where people could report security concerns to them directly? You know, like you'd have yeah. a specialized, you know, just an address, just a form. But we know it's going to the right place and going under the right eyes. Because I, I assume that's what's happening, right? The person who's actually opening that email doesn't really understand it and just lets it drop. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Well, this is another argument for having this kind of centralized ubiquitous platforms that people can use is that if you're if you're a maker of toasters you probably don't have a a bug bounty program (laughs) yeah yeah good point thank you john very welcome oh crow what have you got for us this week um more rise of the machine stuff here so okay let's cast our minds back we all worked together at a time long time ago and you guys will remember that we had cards that we had to swipe to get in and out of the building to buy lunches to attend events that sort of stuff and do you remember when you'd forget your card or you'd put it put it through the laundry (laughs) or you dropped it in your car and you couldn't find it and then it was big deal because you'd have to try and get a temporary (laughs) card but there was never enough there wasn't enough temporary cards so then HR would have to run around and make you a new card or you wouldn't have a card at all and wear this big kind of thing around your neck to say you're an idiot. So, um, and I know what, some companies even charge you now for losing your card. So that's also (laughs) a big pain. Thank God I'm not having to wear those. Anyway, so this is all big pain in the butt. But was it painful enough, gents, for you to consider implanting a corporate microchip into your body? What? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Into what part of my body? Well, right now it's in your hand. Let me tell you, there's a company in Sweden called Epicenter. 
Um, now, they offer to implant its stuff with NFC, so that's near-field communication microchips, right? It's the same kind of things you have in your credit card. And it basically is there to transfer small amounts of data between, one and, between it and other chips, okay? So this is going to be sharing information like you want to purchase your lunch or you want to get in and out of the building or into a certain area of the building. Um, now, the chips are about the size of a ping pong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> They're just... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're the size of a grain of rice and they are injected with a syringe into the fleshy part of your hand right next to your thumb. I bet you it does feel like a ping pong. No, seriously, it's this a grain is, of rice. With this a is a syringe. bit like tagging your dog or your cat or something. Exactly. Like your cat. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And they, so, they never complain about it, do they, actually? Let's be honest. <laughs> I think they're put asleep to do that. Are they? So they wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think these staff are. Right. Now, okay, there's two thousand people roughly that work at Epicenter, and seven point five percent, one hundred and fifty workers have said yes to this. Okay, and Epicenter hold monthly events where attendees can receive the implant. So what's the what's the alternative that they just keep carrying a card? Yes. Now I can I imagine like just okay. Let's just think about this for a second, right? Let's just think about this. Let's just think about the privacy aspect of this. So what is the chip collecting? My location, what I buy, where I go, when does it turn off? How, how big is the, the field of monitoring? Um, think of, you know, what about after hours? What about security? You know, it's, it's, of course, it's going to be completely unhackable and no one will ever hack NFC and that's never happened before. And what about unfair dismissal? All the information is on this. And all of us have it, you know, some kind of grayer bits, you know, where we may have left work early one day and not got clearance or one of these things. And now this could be used by companies to kind of go, oh, look, you left early on Wednesday and we have no record of you getting... But you could do that with a card as well. They could tell with a card if you left early. That doesn't make any difference from that. Or if you had three lunches... And, and if you did leave the organisation, presumably what they do is they simply mark on their database that chip number 23 is no longer an employee. Yeah, so but it's not... Yeah, it, but you remember I used to take your card when I didn't want to actually pay for coffee? Yes, I, re- I do, do remember. That. You, you, can't, I'm you not regularly gonna... stole from me. Yes, you stole. You stole money. Thank you for now admitting that. Yes, so now you did. I'd have to grab your hand and put it past the yes. checkpoint. That's yeah. right. That's much more secure. But what would happen if, I mean, I mean, what would happen if you had one, so you worked at Epicenter and then you went to go and work for, a, I don't know, Opicenter or some other company, which all said, oh, well, we've got yeah. a chip as well. Do you end up with lots of chips in your hand? Yeah, do they or do they reprogram them? the chip? Yeah. I just think it's, why don't they just put barcodes on our foreheads with our number, our citizen number, and just scan us on the way in? Why don't they just do that rather than putting chips in us? I know, it's, it's really, I find it, and apparently what's interesting is that, the, you know, so this was from the LA Times, and they asked a few employees why they had agreed to do this. And the response seems to be, because I want to be part of the future. Well, hello, you are part of the future. As long as you don't die right now, you're going to be there. You don't need to do this. I just think this is a bit insane. People are dingbats, aren't they? Yeah. And who's creating this? Like, think about John's story. We don't even know who's the actual creator of this of this little grain of rice microchip. And how do we know how safe it is? Anyway. Well, hopefully it's been tested on animals. Well, good. You know what? It's re- I'm really glad that, uh, you know, we're starting to try that and the precedent's being set so that soon it will be mandatory for all office workers. It's a real nice mm. Pandora's box. Well, the thing is, it's not, it's not just for offices, is it? You know, we, we have cards that we use to get in and out of offices and to buy things in office canteens. Mm. But we also have cards that we get money out of machines with or pay for things in shops with. 
So I would imagine in future these people probably want us to have a little grain of rice that identifies us whatever we were doing mm. and we could use to to do our shopping or to activate our phone or whatever which is the future i'm thinking about about the three topics which we've discussed so far on this podcast we're real curmudgeons aren't we we sort of hate the future <laughs> there we are saying why do you need a vibrator with a camera on it which is a wireless as well and why why does samsung need to create this alternative operating system which is full of vulnerabilities and why are they injecting chips into people why can't we go back to the old days and all this do you know uh, what if we don't complain about these things how do we expect people to make it better you know what Crow? you are right i completely agree you convinced me there's too much of this nonsense going on it seems that i would worry actually if i was working at epicenter that there'd begin to be a little bit of peer pressure oh yes we have a monthly yep. meeting where we try and convince more of our employees to have this it's like bugger off that sounds a bit weird. Yep. And the other thing, you guys, someone brought up earlier the card idea that's the same as a card. Well, you can leave your card at home. And if you're trying to do something where you don't want to be monitored by your business, you can actually just leave the card behind. But that's that's the problem with using it as your identity is that it's detached from you. So yeah. someone can steal your card and pretend to be you mm-hmm. or buy coffee and pretend to be you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's embedded in you, it's it's part of your identity and... No one can steal that from you. Well, let us know when you get yours implanted, John. Let us know how it feels. <laughs> hey, if it stopped Carole buying coffee on my card, then I think that <laughs> for people, or indeed herself, then that's that's definitely a positive thing. She would just gouge it out of your hand. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Well, look, guys, I think that just about wraps it up for today. Um, just to remind you, everybody, we're on iTunes. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast there, and then you won't miss any future episodes which come out. Um, and you can also subscribe on Google Play Music and Overcast and Stitcher and TuneIn and iHeartRadio and all kinds of other places too. And big thank you to Recorded Future. Remember, you can sign up to their Cyber Daily newsletter at recordedfuture.com slash intel. And that just about wraps it up. Thank you very much, John Hawes, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Karolf. And thanks to you at home for listening in. If you like the show, tell your friends. Maybe follow us on Twitter. We're at Smash In Security. That's Smash In without a G security. And until next time, bye-bye. Oh, you're just not going to say (laughs) bye-bye. Bye! <laughs> Cheerio then. I don't think I hate that on you know on university challenge and everyone's like bye oh, yes. bye 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 see ya. Bye.